We're going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. I'm so grateful to be able to announce that today we're going to be starting a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs. And in the Proverbs, there are 31 days. So together as a church community, we're going to be uh, taking the Proverbs 31 challenge. There are 31 days in the month of August, and there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So the challenge and the invitation for all of us at the Imago Church community during the month of August is to take the Proverbs challenge. One chapter of Proverbs a day, and uh, today we'll have already covered Proverbs 1, so you can read Proverbs 2 on your own there at home, and we are on the Proverbs 31 challenge. So I'm very excited. We hear about all kinds of different challenges and invitations, and this is our own church challenge. 31 days in August, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and we will be on this journey together, and we'll be sharing some updates and posts on all of our social media platforms. So very excited to be on this journey of the Proverbs 31 challenge together as a church community. And we're really jumping into the book of Proverbs to really prepare for what's to come in the fall. I know some of us are preparing for fall routines, Others are preparing to perhaps readjust to uh, schooling kids from home and uh, remotely or a number of different changes that we're all experiencing as a community and as a society during this time. We're all really adjusting to what this new level of normal is during 2020. And so as we adjust to that and as we really navigate that together, we will be asking God to fill us with wisdom. So that's why in the month of August, we are going through the entire book, the, the book of Proverbs and understanding it together as a church community so that God would fill us with wisdom as we enter into this next season of the annual year. And this season, this year has been a year unlike any other but we do hold on to God's timeless truths and God's eternal wisdom that we have access to here in the Proverbs. So today's scripture reading comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. You can follow along in your Bibles or you can hear God's word read aloud from Proverbs, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Let's hear now with open ears from the word of God, Proverbs 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise Listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, 
but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh God, we come before you this morning and we just pray, God Almighty, that you would fill us with your wisdom. Make us new, O Lord. Make us wise in this season where we need more of you. We need less noise. We need less of ourselves. We need to decrease so that you would increase in our lives, Lord. And Jesus, you are wisdom incarnate, wisdom in the flesh, the fountain of wisdom that we have access to be able to approach and drink from. Would you give us what we ask, Lord, what we seek from you, which is wisdom. And Lord, would you guide us, Lord, and order our steps in this season. It's not by power, not by might, that we will get through this time, Lord, but by your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is the Spirit of godly wisdom, God. Thank you, Lord, and we just give you all the praise and glory, and we dedicate this time. Shape us, form us. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During our Hope Through Relationships question time today, we ask the question, during this season, what hobby or pastime have you taken up? And I loved all the different responses that we shared today in the morning service in the chat. But when I thought about it for myself, what hobby or pastime have I taken up? I like to say I've really had uh, some time during this season to catch up on some movies and stories. And that's been a really cool hobby and pastime to be able to catch up on. Maybe the same for you. And yeah, I, I, I blame it on this season of sheltering in place and staying home. But who knows, maybe that was already a hobby and pastime that I had before this season Who knows? But one thing that I've been able to actually uh, uh, really pick up on and learn uh, during this time of catching up on some movies and stories and books and whatnot are I love when I can make connections, when I can connect dots between different movies and different stories that are actually connected sometimes by the author or sometimes by the story or the backdrop or what's called the multiverse of the setting. And that's been a really neat thing to be able to see some of these connections that I didn't even realize existed before. In fact, uh, there was this online video that I saw on YouTube that went through the top five, top ten movies and stories that are connected, and you probably did not even realize it. Some of the more obvious connections that maybe you're aware of are stories like uh, some of you know of, of, uh, of The Lord of the Rings. And the prequel to The Lord of the Rings is actually The Hobbit. So that's all, those are different stories, but they are actually connected by the author. The Hobbit is the prequel to The Lord of the Rings. And then later in the 2000s, there was actually this big connection that I think the director M. M. Night Shyamalan uh, did with all of his movies for like 20 years, from Unbreakable to Split. And then I think it was last year, Mr. Glass revealed that they're all connected together. And some of you are prob- have, have followed that or made that connection, but I know that 
For others, that was just a, a big, like, mind-blowing experience to see all of them connected. And I was actually on a group text earlier this week with my brother and sister, and for the most part, we're all 80s and 90s kids, and uh, I'm an 80s kid, and uh, I was pretty shocked to realize this week that in 2020, there's going to be a sequel to a classic made 30 years ago in 1987. In 2020, we're finally getting the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And it's kind of amazing. It kind of takes me back to my own childhood. Anyone who has maybe never heard of that before, that was actually probably Keanu Reeves' first role as a teenager who traveled back in time through a telephone booth. I know it sounds ridiculous, but trust me, any 80s kid just loved it, just like me. So over 30 years later, now they're making a sequel. And the question that my, my siblings and I had in this group text was really, who asked for this? And who's paying for this? But who knows, maybe the joke will be on us at the end of the day and it'll make tons of money. Similarly, seeing just these connections with different books, different stories, different movies, there's something similar that happens with the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is actually what I like to call the unofficial sequel to the Psalms. We just finished a sermon series on the Psalms over the month of June and the month of July, and we got to see that the person behind the Psalms is often referred to as the psalmist, but this was a man by the name of David, or King David. King David served as the second king of the kingdom of Israel. And in fact, David is referred to as many things, but one of the constant ways that David is referred to in the scriptures is David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. And we see here in the connection between the Psalms and the Proverbs, this theme that continues throughout the scriptures. There's this profoundly wonderful way about God. We see the part of the action of God throughout the scriptures and throughout our lives is we see at times that what the enemy means for evil, God is able to turn and use it for the good. So keep that theme in mind because that's going to be the connection between the Psalms and the Proverbs. What the enemy means for evil, God is able to turn it and leverage it for the good. We see that this is a biblical theme that even goes way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, in the story of Joseph, we see Joseph actually say this. He says to, to uh, his brothers that intended to harm him, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What man intended for evil, God is able, able to leverage for good. Yes, David was a man after God's own heart. And yes, he was someone that was both broken and blessed. David, we see throughout his life, he had many victories and achievements, but David also experienced failures and moments of brokenness. And perhaps 
the most notable failure that David ever experienced and that the Bible shares and explains in, uh, is this incident that occurs in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. And we see there the infamous yet extremely important story of David and Bathsheba. David abused his power as a king and he let his lust and instincts get the best of him. Now, I won't make you raise your hands on this, but show of hands. Who has ever let lust and instincts get the best of you? David did in this situation. He fell in love with Bathsheba, who was a married woman, and he had her husband, Uriah, killed so that David could get what David wanted. David there was actually living out what I like to call worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom says, I'm going to get what I want. In this case, I'm going to get who I want, when I want, and how I want. I'm going to get my way by any means necessary. That form of thinking, my way by any means necessary approach to life, That's what David fell into. David fell into the path of worldly wisdom. Last week, we went over Psalm 51 together as a church community, and we read that Psalm 51 is actually a psalm of confession. It's a psalm of confession connected to this incident in David's life. And when he fell in this incident with his relationship with Bathsheba, There is a line in Psalm 51, in verse 4, where David confesses and says to God, he says, against you, you only, have I sinned. Now, obviously, David also sinned against real people. He sinned and hurt others. His sin actually impacted Bathsheba. His sin impacted her late husband, Uriah. But what did David mean exactly with that phrase, against you only have I sinned, when he prays that confession to God? David here is confessing that in that moment of weakness, he exchanged the wisdom of God for the wisdom of the world. Instead of God's wisdom, which says, Lord, your will be done, David chose worldly wisdom and said, Lord, my will be done. There are two paths of wisdom that we see throughout the Proverbs. There's the path of God's wisdom, which says, thy will be done or your will be done. And then there's the path of worldly wisdom. The path which will lead to death, which will lead to self-destruction. And it's a path that begins with the attitude that says, my will be done. In this situation, David chose worldly wisdom. He chose the path of sin. He chose the path of self-destruction. David took an action that was meant to harm. But God... And those two words 
that phrase, that's one of the most important phrases and transformative two words in the Bible. But God, David took an action to harm. You and I have taken actions to harm, but God leverages it and uses it for good. God leveraged it for the good. In this situation that we're currently in right now, that is now five months in, and it's really been since the beginning of the year, this feels like an impossible situation for so many of us, including myself at times. What would it look like for us to surrender? For us to trust that God's word is true? That's part of actually our virtues and key values here at Imago Church. We believe that God's word is true. That grace is sufficient. And that Jesus loves us. This we know for the Bible tells us so. What would it look like for us to hold on to that fact that God's word is true. And that even in those moments, what is intended for evil, God can and God will Turn that and leverage that for the good. David took the action to harm. You and I have taken actions to harm. But God leverages it for the good. God intended it for good and God leverages all things for the good. He is able to. That's part of his amazing power and wisdom. Even from the brokenness, that was the beginning of David and Bathsheba's marriage together. God leveraged it for the good. What do I mean by this? Well, the story continues. From David and Bathsheba's marriage came a child. A child that both David and Bathsheba named Solomon. Solomon then actually went on to serve as the third king of the ancient kingdom of Israel. He also had a part of the la- he also continued in his life and had part of the legacy of his father and mother throughout his life. Solomon experienced both times of brokenness, but Solomon also experienced times of blessing and flourishing for all those that he led. And in fact, we attribute many of the psalms to David the psalmist But there are several other cherished books in the Bible that are attributed to David and Bathsheba's son. They're attributed to Solomon. And in fact, there are three books that Solomon is most known for. And they're all called books of wisdom. There's the Song of Solomon, there's Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs, which we'll be studying throughout this whole month of August. David, the father of Solomon, was known for being a man after God's own heart. Solomon was known in some ways as a man after God's own mind. Solomon spent a lot of his life seeking wisdom. Solomon sought to know the ways of God. He was hungry for the wisdom of God. And then he was eager to share that wisdom with others to pass it along. So before we continue in the Proverbs and just a little bit more background on Solomon, 
let's go ahead and check out this brief video introducing the book of Proverbs to us as a community. And then we'll come right back together. There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all of these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life. Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective. And it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah. And it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And chokmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into chokmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against chokmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them, but the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes, that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. So you show you possess chokmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And chokmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success and no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. 
Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see how it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. Wow, God's wisdom available to those who seek it. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. We'll explain that in just a few minutes. But just a little bit back to the author Solomon, just like his father, he was not a perfect man. And in fact, he messed up a lot as well, just uh, as his father did. And I love how the Bible never tries to hide that. The Bible doesn't try to just pretend like people had it all together, but the Bible is the story of God and people and how God enters into human reality to save us. And part of our human reality is brokenness. What if we lived as honest as the Bible does and we simply accepted that part of the work that God is doing in each and every one of us? God meets us just as we are. He meets us in our brokenness. We are both broken and blessed. That's part of what it means to be human in this side of eternity. Yes, we will be restored fully into the image of Christ in, in, from glory to glory in the other side of eternity. But here and now, God meets us as we are broken and blessed, just as we are. We are saved by the grace of God not by works. We're saved by the blood of Christ. And in fact, there's no one righteous, not even one. Those are all direct scriptural quotes from Romans, Ephesians, and Galatians. We'll be studying that later in the fall. There's no one righteous, not even one. So what if we just stopped playing, stopped playing the legalistic self-righteous games because God is not falling for it? In fact, when we simply accept and embrace the reality that God meets us where we're at here and now, both being broken and blessed, that's when we really get to enjoy life with God, where we really can appreciate and see the transformation that God is doing in and through us, being made new as he meets us where we're at for many of us, both broken and blessed, just like Solomon, just like David. Solomon had wisdom as knowledge, but one thing that Solomon didn't have, and he got rebuked for by God, and also he experienced the reality of consequences for bad choices, one thing Solomon didn't have was the fact that Solomon needed to learn that the wisdom of God goes beyond knowledge. It goes beyond just information, just knowing the right words or the, the, the right timing or the right fill-in-the-blank answers. Knowledge goes beyond, wisdom goes beyond knowledge. And in fact, we go on to see that the perfecter of the wisdom of God actually came after Solomon. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who knew that the wisdom of God goes beyond knowledge, goes beyond information, but Jesus lived out God's wisdom. Jesus put wisdom in action. 
I love how in the New Testament we even see that Jesus is the wisdom of God in the flesh and that the cross is the wisdom of God for the world to see. So how exactly do we put wisdom into action? I love how in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul actually wrestles with this question, and he talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. He tells us how to put wisdom into action. He says the following, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 5, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. The weapons that we have have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how do we put wisdom into action according to this scripture? We put wisdom into action. We have access to the tools to demolish arguments, as this passage says, meaning that the wisdom of God calls us to not waste our life, our time, or our energy with petty arguments and petty, petty things, and to actually let go of all pretense, of all pretension, of all pretending. The wisdom of God actually calls us to go beyond pretense, to go beyond petty arguments, and to go beyond just mere knowledge and information. But the way that we put wisdom into action is according to this scripture, when we take every thought captive to Christ. When every thought we make it obedient to Christ. I love how this passage says it very clearly. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The wisdom of God begins with taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Wisdom begins with obedience. And perhaps my favorite definition of, of obedience is that obedience is simply wisdom in action. That's the path of wisdom. Solomon had low points later in his life where he gave in to worldly wisdom as his father did. He gave in to lust, he gave in to idolatry, and he even ended up misleading a lot of people during his reign as king. But where King Solomon is left lacking, our Lord and Savior, our King Jesus, picks up all of the pieces. And Jesus fulfills the call of obedience, which is wisdom in action. Jesus was obedient all the way to the cross for our sake. In fact, the cross is the power and the wisdom of God displayed for all to see. The scriptures tell us that the cross is a stumbling block to some and foolishness to others. But the cross and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus is the wisdom of God on display. This month, we're going to be clinging to the cross. We're going to be holding on to Jesus, the wisdom of God as we take on this journey together to have God show us what it means to live out wisdom and to put it into 
action. The resurrection is the wisdom of God. The cross is the wisdom of God on display for the world to see. That's why we're taking this next month to talk about wisdom, God's wisdom. And we want to put God's wisdom into action because right now, in this moment, in time, in the context that we're in, in the culture that we're in, I don't know about you, but I truly believe with all of my heart that right now, perhaps more than anything else, we need wisdom. We don't need more noise. We don't need more petty arguments. We need wisdom. Godly wisdom. Although Solomon had his ups and downs, Solomon began with the right posture and the right attitude before God. And my question to all of us today, friends, brothers, sisters, is what is your attitude before God this morning? What is your posture before God this morning? Is your attitude based on the path of worldly wisdom? The attitude that says, oh no, I got this, Lord. My will be done. Or is your attitude aligned with godly wisdom. The attitude that says, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I surrender. May your will be done. The treasure of wisdom literature that we find in the scriptures actually all started with a certain attitude, with a certain posture that Solomon had before God. It was an attitude of humility, of openness, and surrender. Wisdom begins with an attitude. The attitude of wisdom begins with humility, openness, and surrender. This attitude is actually called the fear or the reverence of the Lord. That is the beginning of all godly wisdom. What do we see there? Wisdom is not based on circumstances. It's not an outside job. Wisdom begins on the inside. Wisdom begins with an attitude adjustment. What attitude adjustment do you need to take this morning? Before God, before others? for the reality that we're in what's the attitude adjustment that you're being called to this morning what's the change of posture that you need to shift today wisdom begins with an attitude wisdom begins on the inside the attitude of humility openness and surrender also known as the fear of the lord the reverence of the lord God is God, I am not. He knows I don't. He will lead me. And in fact, why attitude is so important is because attitude, in many ways, shapes our lives. Attitude is what then impacts our thinking. Then our thinking leads to our actions and our actions to our character. And actually, that sums up our life. That's who we are. But it all begins with attitude, with posture, 
we read about this moment in the scriptures in Second Chronicles and in First Kings. We read of a pretty amazing encounter that Solomon had with God. And it wasn't a big and flashy encounter, but it was in a calm and intimate setting that Solomon had this encounter with God, where he had this attitude adjustment, where he changed his posture. And that was the beginning of his journey of wisdom. It says this, and it will be up on the screen, but you can follow along in your Bibles. We see these encounters in the book of uh, Second Chronicles and First Kings. It says this. I'll read it out loud for us. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon responded, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Then we go on to see God's response in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 12. Verse 12 God responds to Solomon and says, I will do what you have asked of me. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, a wise and discerning mind, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be anyone like you after you. As a church community, this month of August, we're entering into the Proverbs Challenge. There are 31 days in the month of August and 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And together as a church community, we're going to take this journey of wisdom and it all begins with a shift in posture and an attitude adjustment an attitude of humility and of surrender the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord Proverbs provides gospel and gospel is God's good news so in the book of Proverbs together, we will be receiving God's good news without the noise. Let's pray together. Oh God, would you guide us in your wisdom? Guide us in your ways that are above our ways. Lord God, we pray that you would grow us in wisdom and that you would adjust our attitudes. Help us make the shift today, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to let go of this old way that says, my will be done, and may we joyfully step into the new way that you call us to that says, Lord, your will be done. Make us more like you, grow us, and God, help us to not lean on our own understanding, but on you, O oh Lord. Help us to lean on your cross, which is the wisdom of God on display for the world to see. Jesus, you are wisdom in the flesh, and you abide in those who trust in you and place their faith and, and hope in you. I pray, Lord, that you would fix our attitude, that you would align us with your godly wisdom. We trust you, God, to do something new in and through us for your glory and honor's sake meet us in this place
as we take this journey somewhere new. Lead us in your wisdom, we pray. Amen.